Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. Uh, if you are new with us, studying along, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and that includes everybody else, too. You all get three welcomes. Um, we're so glad that you're here. If you are new, there's a couple things that we wanted to just kind of fill you in on. We do a weekly, this is weekly, this video and or podcast, if you're listening to it, um, where we just follow along and share all the things that we think you don't want to miss from that particular chunk of scripture that we're studying that week in the Come Follow Me curriculum. So we are moving through the Old Testament this year. We're um, so excited about and, that. Yes, and one of the things that goes along with the Old Testament is we actually have this timeline. So if you hear people talking about that or us talking about that, or we'll show you in just a minute, it is a free download of this timeline that you can print out engineer size, two by three, um, that just will, and you'll put on a little piece of that timeline and you move through the entire Old Testament just so you get a really good idea of, oh, all these stories that I know, like there's Daniel and there's Noah and then there's like, you know, um, Isaiah and it just shows you how they all fit together really nicely in the whole story of the Old Testament. So we also have an app brand new this year that is going to just if, it, if you want everything in one place, easy to find. So you're not having to search through all your emails for the newsletter or all of YouTube for the video, we just have an app where it just has everything. The video's there, the podcast is there, the newsletter is there. Also in there are daily devotionals, just five minute devotionals that you can do in the morning or right before you go to bed. So all of the information for that you will find either in the newsletter or on our Instagram in the highlight bubbles. If you have more questions about that, just go and look there. Yeah, our website is don'tmissthisstudy.com. You can sign up for the newsletter there and you can find a lot of this information and links there um, as well. So, yeah, so fun. Okay, today we are in Genesis chapter 5 and Moses chapter 6. Now, this is an interesting section and chapter right here because um, remember, the book of Moses is actually a Joseph Smith translation of the book of Genesis. That's what it is. And in our last lesson and the one before that on creation, they were pretty like similar with each other. Mm -hmm. You almost like could be verse for verse, some nuances, some change and everything like that. Um, today, it's a little bit different. Moses 6 is wildly different than Genesis 5. And Moses 7 doesn't even have an equivalent. That's next time's lesson. It doesn't even have an equivalent in the book of Genesis. And so we're kind of like kind of camp most of our time there in Moses 6 today, and then obviously Moses 7 last time. Next uh, time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, all of a sudden I'm back to the future, guy. Um, so before we jump into Moses, where we're going to spend most of our time today, there are a couple things from Genesis 5 that, that we thought we kind of want to take a look at before we move over to it. So here's one of my favorite parts of Genesis 5. It's right at the very beginning. And if you were with us last week, we talked a lot about Adam and Eve and just that whole story that is their story, but it also becomes our story. And we'll dive back into that a little bit when we get into the story of Enoch. But right at the very beginning, 
in chapter 5 of Genesis, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. And then it teaches this concept that we love so much, a concept about God. And we love the fact that you just see this hint of Heavenly Mother here. And we want to make sure you notice it while we're here because every so often we just see, we talked last week about just how she's veiled almost through a window that you see her in this story. This is one of the verses where we will see her again. In verse 2 it says, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And I have circled in my scriptures the word there. I love that their name, Adam and Eve's name, their family name was Adam. We talked a little bit about how with God you... you um, there is a, he, a feminine and a masculine in the Hebrew translation of that that would make you think of a father and a mother when you see the word God. And I love that he describes that for us here, that he's going to call their name Adam. So almost like when you say, when you talk about the Freemans, you know you're talking about Greg and Emily or the Butlers. You're talking about David and Jenny. I love that here he's like, let me set up for you a pattern right here at the very beginning that when I say Adam, that's their name. That's mm. Adam and Eve's family name. And, and you start seeing this patriarchal order or this familial order that is matriarch and patriarch, right? It's a husband and a wife. It is the family, but it's going to be called by the name Adam here going forward. And I just, I love the lesson that is right there. Yeah. And, and, and really you see that throughout the whole Old Testament and it seems to like lean heavy, obviously toward, it'll say the children of men. And it's just, that was just a style of writing back then, but it was way more like commonly known and people were used to the fact, not that there wasn't some sexism in the past, because for sure mm -hmm. there was, mm -hmm. right? But it just was the way it was written and commonly known, like, oh, Mankind means male and female together. And I think it's interesting that you bring up that word, and I think it's important, particularly for Latter-day Saints, that we use that phrase, patriarchal order. And patriarch immediately puts mm -hmm. our mind towards male, on the male spectrum. And we just need to define that better. It's like when we say the patriarchal order, we mean the order of the family is what we mean by that. We mean male and female together. That's that's just what the definition of that word is. So it might conjure up different thoughts and feelings and ideas, but its intention is to be one of family. That's what it means. So we love that right here. In chapter five, you're going to notice that. We also are going to be introduced to Noah here. Um, and But the most important person that we kind of want to focus on right now is that we're going to be introduced to someone named Enoch. Now, in the Old Testament. Well, let's say one thing about Noah real quick. Okay. And maybe this will come up in a future lesson, but what if it doesn't? Just the idea of like, this chapter five seems so boring because it's just like a whole bunch of people who begat people, you know? But there is something neat about the fact that it is showing this, number one, this is one big human family. Like as it begins mm. to spread and eventually we're like, we get to the point now where we're just like so unidentified with people around the world. And it's cool that the Bible shows the, the genesis of that human family. Like it started just with this one line and then it starts to spread. Mm. But it's cool to come back to this and recognize, oh yeah, we all come 
from, from the, the same. same place, from the same roots all together. And then there's a line that you were reading right before we started where it says, and they and they talk and they passed on faith or something. Oh, it like we'll that. get to it. It's in the it's in Moses. Moses. But yes. when we get to that, I think it's cool that like when you look at Genesis five, that they didn't just birth people, but just like the story of God and the story of faith was passed on. And that is the way that it that that's what gave it life, mm. is that it kept being Yeah, it's such on. a good line. Um, one of the things that's interesting here, and the first time I made note of this was actually when I was in a Bible study with a group of Christian women, and we were studying the Old Testament. And we got here, and in chapter 5 of Genesis, verse 22, you start, well, 21, you start reading, and Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. So you have these four verses about Enoch um, that as you start reading through them, you're like, okay, I know the story. I know about Enoch who walked with God. I know about Zion, which is what happened in my Bible study when they brought up Enoch. And before I could even say anything, our Bible study leader had said, it's so interesting. I'm so intrigued about this man named Enoch who walked with God and then he was not because God took him. And she was like, I just want to know more about his story. <laughs> and immediately I was like, well, I know it's in here. I started like, <laughs> like I know the whole story. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh, wait. I do know this whole story about Enoch, but I know it because of the Pearl of Great Price and where we're given four scriptures here that talk about Enoch um, who lived and walked with God and that's it. That's all the Bible tells us. But when we get into Moses 6 and 7, there are 116 verses about Enoch. and. We learn so much about Zion and becoming a Zion people and, and actually what it looks like to walk with God hmm. from those chapters. And all of a sudden in that moment, I was so grateful for continuing revelation and for a prophet that could bring to life a man who we only have four verses about. And doesn't it make you can't wait to get to heaven and think, who else is there we only have four verses about that we're going to get to heaven and be like, this story is incredible. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't even know yeah, yeah. about it, you know? Well, but, I'm just thinking that with like regular people that you like stand in line with at the grocery store or something like that. Yeah. You know, you're just there with them for four minutes, for four verses. Yes. You know, and it's just like, oh, they have this story. Yes. And they have these lessons they've learned and relationships with others and with God and miracles that they've seen. And anyways, it's just fun yeah. to think of. So awesome. So we're going to dive into Enoch. Do you want to grab well, the... Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're going to dive into Moses. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, um, this will be the piece for this week. It's and this is the be timeline that we were Enoch. talking about if you haven't seen it. And um, he has a little foot, everyone, because my favorite part about Enoch is that he walked with God. And so we'll dive into there, but that's your timeline piece. And we're actually going to start back in the story of Adam and Eve, right? Yeah, and because then... we kind of feel like um, Enoch's story almost answers this one question that we find in the book of Genesis. Um, you, This is one of the most famous stories of all time. 
but it's also one of the most tragic stories of all time that Adam and Eve have this begin to have children once they leave the Garden of Eden and there is uh, an altercation between two of them, between Abel and Cain. Now there's a lot of details in that story that we just don't understand. You know, like you read through it and you're kind of like, why was God so mad at Cain's offering? And what's and and it's just tough. It's just tough to know what exactly was going on. One thing I do love about that as we talk about the heart and character of God, though, is as you read that story, which we're not going to get too much into right now, I just want you to notice how often God keeps coming to Cain and how many how he warns him about things. And he says, be careful because sin is crouching at the door. It's like a tiger that looks little, but it is going to pounce. It's going to take over. And it's just neat to see that. And even the, the, um, just his, his penalty that he receives for what he does is one to protect him. And mm. you just see a, a lot of the heart of God right there. But if you jump over to the Moses account, if, if you've never heard this story before, Cain um, gets jealous of Abel. He wants power over Abel. Um, he seems to be in cahoots with the devil, just listens and follows him, and he kills his brother. Um, and after he kills him, the Lord comes to him, to Cain, and he asks him, you know, where is your brother? Now, last time we looked at the very first question that God asks mankind in the Bible story, and that is, where art thou, Right? Um, this time we get to the very first question that mankind actually asks God, and it is Cain's. We're sad that he represents all of us, but he does. And his it's question such a good is, question. It, you couldn't start the scriptures with a better question, I don't think. Well said. Yeah. This is in Moses 5, verse 34, just right up here, this spot that's in your journal. And he says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. I know not. And then here's the question, am I my brother's keeper? And you can almost hear just like the attitude, you know, and just the um, uh, not the nonchalance of something so cold that happened, you know. But that question is all of our questions to answer. Am I actually my brother's keeper? Am I in charge of? Do I have responsibility for? Um, am I meant to look out for other people, or is just this just a one-person show? And it's so interesting because we actually live in a time where I feel like society wants to tell us it's all about me, and am I being authentic to myself, and what do I need right now, and. In, in everything, like relationships have their biggest strains because a person's like, wait, my needs are not being met mm -hmm. in this particular relationship. Yes, and I think self-care is so important, and I'm Same. not saying it Same. isn't. Like Self-care is important, but I think there is a really important balance, and it's so important for us to remember that balance. And I love that this question rebalances us because... It is the very first question that kind of kicks off scripture of, am I my brother's keeper? And we're going to watch through all of scripture how people respond to that question. And I think even in my own life, like I look at my life, I look at my last 24 hours, I look at my last week, and how much of my time was spent 
keeping and watching over and doing God work in my areas of influence and to realize that that is a really important call. Probably a greater call than any, any other work I do is the keeping of people. And the answer to that provides such a stark difference in the way that we live. If I answer that question, no, I'm not my brother's keeper. No, I'm not responsible for, um, for anything about you. You know, I actually don't care how you perceive what I say. I actually don't care about, you know, if I were mm-hmm. to say no, versus if I were to answer that question and say, well, yes, actually, I believe that I am. Those are very, very different ways mm, of, of, living. of living, you know, and someone would even say like, why are you spending your time there and your money there and your energy there and your prayers there? And a lot of times, if not all the time, the answer could be, oh, because I actually believe that I am my brother's keeper. Mm. I believe that's a responsibility that was God given and that I'm that I'm his image bearer that we talked about in the creation lesson, right? And I love starting here because we watching Cain, someone who did not feel called to that responsibility. And we're gonna see the opposite of that in Enoch. Um, Somebody who feels so called to that responsibility of keeping people and what that is gonna look like. We're just gonna barely be introduced to it right now. But then once we get into chapter seven, we are going to watch somebody who actually devotes his entire life to the keeping of people. And I love that. I love that that is where we're going to go. So so we're going to start with this description of the place that Enoch lives. Like this is the world that he grows up in. And it's kind of cool to start here, especially if you're kind of like looking back on this next time. Moses 6 and 7 yeah. are just two halves of the same yeah, story. Yeah, because we talk about Enoch. And right off the bat, if I was to say to you what comes to mind when I say Enoch, your first response is probably going to be Zion. Yeah. The right. pure in heart. Right. And I love so much, especially anyone who has worked in a family situation, I love seeing what Enoch started with. Like, I think it is so awesome that God is like, here, let me show you where Enoch began his work. Yeah. So the verses right there, you can see in the journal, Moses 6, and it starts in verse 27, and, and we included 28 too, but you just start looking through this, and he hears this voice from heaven, um, and, and he says, your message is actually to preach this word, repent, which we're going to come back to in, in a little bit, but he just says, um, I, my anger is kindled against them for these reasons. One, their hearts have waxed hard. Um, two, their ears are dull of hearing. Three, their eyes cannot see far afar off. And you start to think about like what our eyes used for and what our ears used for and what our hearts used for. And then you can maybe get a little bit into like see a more full description of these people. Like their eyes cannot see afar off. They, they just live for today only. They have no perspective about, you know, um, or even even that even that idea the opposite of my br- being a brother's keeper would be well I, I don't even I don't actually I don't see beyond this far yeah. like I don't see how my actions or words are affecting you because yeah. I don't care but yeah like, because you live in this I deserve I need I've earned right, right. I um, it's a it's a very entitled place to live and it feels like that's kind of where they are I also love this one 
um, where it talks about in 28, they seek their own counsel in the dark. I think that's such an interesting description of the place they were living in. Um, and it talks about their abominations and their murders and they don't keep the commandments. Like this is where Enoch begins. This is the beginning of becoming his brother's keeper is in a place that is like this. And I think it's so awesome to think that because all of us can look at situations where maybe we have a keeping responsibility. And for some of us, it feels hard. It feels overwhelming. It feels like the problem is what I'm working with. I don't see any potential there or any hope there or any way that this situation will be redeemed. And I love that we're going to spend time in Moses 6 and 7 and watch someone start from the very worst and move to the very best. And I think for each of us within our circle of influence, there will be answers here and perspectives given. One of the things that we talk about a lot when we prepare these lessons is we don't just want to teach you scripture and we don't just want to teach you context um, or what's happening there, but we want to find application. In my life, when I fell in love with the scriptures is when I started seeing how the scriptures actually applied to my life and my family's life today. And that's one of the places we will spend the most time is where are you going to find application right now in this for whether you're raising children or whether it's a workplace or whether it's a calling or wherever you are, where are the answers in Moses 6 and Moses 7 when we get there next week that are going to change your circumstance and how do we actually apply those right now? Yeah, um, this is interesting because this is what the world looks like. Enoch's world looks like this and and in a second, God's going to call him to make a difference in that world. You know, he's going to pull him out of the, just whatever the rhythm of his life was. Mm. He's going to interrupt the, the rhythm of his life. Um, but there is this phrase before he calls him, we love so much in 26. And it says, and it came to pass that Enoch journeyed in the land. And as he journeyed, the spirit of God descended out of heaven and abode on him. And we're going to talk about that conversation that, they have with each other in just a second, but we love that fact that, and that's what we left that little box for in your mm -hmm. journal. If you want to fill that in there, that this whole thing happens as he journeyed, as he was going to work, as he was raising kids, as he was fixing the sprinkler system, mm -hmm. as he was journeying through life, that is when this call came from God and yeah, and you love that God just shows up in the middle of his life. I love when it just yeah. says right in there, as he was journeying in the land among the people, right? He just was going about his everyday life. And isn't that the way God always works is that he comes into our places and he opens our eyes in that place where we are. And I love that. Yeah. And it might be a good way to think like, what, what is my call? What's my thing to be doing right now? It's just like, oh, move forward mm -hmm. because the answer will probably come, you know, as you yeah, journey. Yeah, as you journey. And we left this little box right here in the journal for you to just sit down and think, what is your journey right now? And who are your people and where might God show up in this space? Because probably your work, your greatest work, is in the space where you actually are right now. And I think that's so awesome that you say that because it doesn't matter what that particular journey looks like. Like that's not 
a determining factor in any of this. They can look so mm. different from each other. We're all on a journey and that's the common denominator. And um, I just want to read this real quick uh, from, our, from the devotional book. But everything Enoch experienced and learned came during his journey. It's how all of us experience and learn. It is on the journey that we gain our vision. It's on the journey that we have our most intimate conversations with God. And it is on the journey that we become closer to Him and anxiously await His coming. We learn all these things best when we are on the journey. Mm, that's so good. So we love the thought of that just as you get started. Before you even get into this lesson is to think, where are you right now? What does your journey look like? Who are your people, your brothers, and and how are you keeping them? That's a really good place to dive into this lesson. And Enoch's going to get this call. And the Lord is going to say, I need you to go in here. I need you to tell these people to repent. And we love in verse 31 when um, Enoch says, and this is going to be a common theme, and we are going to notice this over and over again through the Old Testament. And I love it because it is often the question I ask the Lord. Enoch says, why is it that I have found favor in thy sight? Because I am but a lad and all the people hate me for I am slow of speech. So why am I your servant? Hmm. And I just love that moment of like vulnerability where he's, he like looks, you might look at your journey and be like, I can't, I can't do this. I, the people hate me, right? I, these are all the things that I'm not good at this I'm is too young yeah this I'm is too... all the reasons why I'm not qualified for this situation and I love also not only does Enoch start out with all the odds against him but also he questions his own ability to enter into that situation and I think that is so awesome we put the question the fill in the blanks there in the journal we were hoping you might write why me because it's a question that all of us would ask if God in, came into our stories and asked us to be a part of something bigger. We would say like, "Oh, I think you have the wrong person. Like I'm, 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 I'm too busy. I'm not so and so. I can't do that." And I think it's okay too to realize that you might feel vulnerable in that situation, and you also might feel not qualified and. I can think of several times in my life where the keeping of my people has felt bigger than what I'm capable of. And even some nights where I've just climbed into bed and just simply said to God, I am exhausted of this. Like, I feel like I've exhausted my resources, my wisdom, everything that I've been given. I don't even ask for answers. I just, I almost just turn to him and say, I just need you to know that right now where I am is exhausted of this. And then I just fall asleep because it just feels so good to be like, here, I, I'm not capable of this. You hold this tonight, yeah. you know, and yeah. let me just sleep. And for some reason, waking up the next day, it's just, it's so nice to have been like, you carry that burden for the next 12 hours and I will wake back up and we will figure this out. But I love that it's, we find out in 31, it's okay for, to be like, this just feels like too much for me right now. And, and he just, he doesn't say to God, I won't, but he's just like, I just need you to know where I am. And there's something comforting in telling God, this is where I am right now. Yeah. As I was like looking at these two blanks, I was like, oh, I, I guess another thing you could put in there is, you sure? <laughs> you know? 
yeah. or you could put for real yeah. <laughs> or something in yes. there where it's just like no I, yeah, yeah. I, it's funny you were saying that you just like climb into bed and think that and i was like oh i can think of so many times where i've been like i'm so bad at this yes. you know i'm just yeah. really really bad at this and and i started thinking as i was having that conversation <laughs> in my mind like what god's response might be it's just like there's a couple things that i think would be important and one is like oh i actually didn't call you to have responsibility to fix it mm, that's you know? so good like, because so if you think that's your job, job yeah. to fix it that's why we have a savior actually that's right. why yeah um, so Jesus if you came, did think so that good. you would be so frustrated you know and maybe he was he was like have you seen these people they actually <laughs> won't listen to me they're not going to listen to me and he was like oh actually they will listen to you i'm not i'm not calling you as a debater i'm yeah. not calling you as somebody who's going to have convincing skill yeah. i'm just calling you to speak i'm just yeah. you know or whatever it yeah. is here that's so good and he gives him this reassurance and there's a couple verses here on the journal we just wrote verse 34 but i think it's cool if you start back in 32 mm. when he just says hey all here's your job just go <laughs> and do what i've asked you to do can i promise you that no one will pierce you right i no one's going to be able to stop the work i'm i'm calling you to do Open your mouth. That's your job. That's it. Period. You open your mouth and I'm actually going to fill it with what it is that seems be good to say. Um, this and I is, love this line right here where he's like, let me just remind you something. All flesh is in my hands mm -hmm. and I will do what seems good. And I don't know for any of you who are raising children, but there's so many times when I just love the comfort of just looking to him and him being like, hold on, I'm, I'm holding that child. You, that child mm. is in my hands and I will do what seems good for that child. And I just love knowing we're not in the work of this alone. Mm. But he's, he's like, hold on, I'm holding them mm. Mm. Um, and, and I will do what is good for them. Yeah. And why wouldn't he? Why, oh, like sure. we have to get to that point where we're like, I'm going to actually trust that you will keep that promise. Mm. Well said. Here's the phrase that you might wrap all this up. Well, you can pick several, but at the beginning of 34, he says, my spirit is upon you. Mm. Um, and because of that, because of that, your words, I'm going to actually justify. I'm going to give them spunk. And mountains are going to flee because my spirit's upon you. And rivers will turn from their course. And then this is the best Because part. my spirit's upon you. And you will abide in me and I in you. Those would be synonyms with each other. If someone were to say, like, I can do this because God is in me, they're saying, I can do this because the Spirit is upon me. Those are, like, that's, that's, mm -hmm. he's like, he's like, I can't do this. And, and God's almost answering, saying, it's like, I know, I'm going to. You, you and me are going to do it together, you know, is yeah. the and reason it's going to work. End of 34 when he's like, listen, just walk with me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and have you ever been with someone running a huge event? And you go up to them and you're like, uh, we have a problem and this is going to be the problem. And they have, they see the whole picture. And if you ever had someone be like, okay, just walk with me. And they just, <laughs> they're going, right? They know, they know what's going to happen. And they're like, just come on, come on. Yeah, you yeah. download with me, just walk with me. But you're going to watch, this is all going to play out. It's all going to work out. And I just, I love that thought of like him being like, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for this right now. I don't, whatever, but he's just like, Okay, you know what? 
walk with me. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take care of this whole thing. And I love that thought, which is why we have that little footprint on the timeline that we're walking with God. Like he is just as determined as we are to see this thing through. And it just made me think of somebody who's just like overwhelmed in the kitchen. Or it doesn't matter if it's the kitchen. That's just like the main spot of our house. And they're just like, yes. I've got this going. Da, 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 da. And can't you just hear someone just being like, let's just go on a walk. Yes. Me and you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's almost <laughs> like this is where this we're going to like figure yeah. this out together. And I love that, that. that's actually our word of the week this week because of that, because of this little verse right here where he says, I want you to walk with me. And, and remember, one of the reasons we do a word of the week is because ancient languages, a word, when we say walk in English, there's a couple things it might mean, but it's cool to look at it in Hebrew or in the New Testament Greek and just see like, wait, how words in ancient languages have so many different meanings mm. and they're so colorful and they're like diamonds, you know, they just, you can turn and look at him and the word walk in Hebrew is so beautiful it's the word halak and and listen to some of the ways you could translate that to walk along continually to come to be conversant to be eased oh I love that one I know it's so good to follow to go forward I love this one to grow um and the phrase more and more and that's such an awesome mm-hmm. concept. Like you can anticipate more and more from this. So when yeah, we talk about- Yeah, and you about, just love all those words when you read this, and thou shalt abide in, um, and thou shalt abide in me and I in you, therefore walk with me. And you just want all those 12 words or right, however many it is right. for that word walk right there. Now, one of the things that he's gonna have him do on this little walk that they're gonna take with each other in verse 35 is he says to him, okay, I want you to put um, some clay on your eyes. Um, he's going to have an object lesson with mm-hmm. him right here. Mm-hmm. Put some clay on your eyes, and then I want you to wash it off. And then he says, and then thou shalt see. Um, and we love that idea of just this mud and clay is a thing of the earth, you know? And it's almost as if God's showing them, like, you are looking at everything right now in, through an earth lens, and through a, a world lens, your worldview. You don't even know because you live in it. So you don't even know that like your perspectives and your fears are coming from yeah. just the Kool-Aid you're drinking, you know? So put that on your eyes and then would you wash it off? Because I want to move earth off of your eyes for a second so you can see through a heaven lens. Mm. So you can see through something differently. So good. And one of the things that he learns when he takes those off of his, what he calls his natural eyes in verse um, 36. And it's at this point that he's actually called a seer, which is a word that means one who sees. One, uh, really, you should put three E's in there, right? C-E-R, like a seer. But the dash was awkward. So we just squished it together mm-hmm. to say like, now you are one who sees. And, and he starts, as he talks with people, one of the reactions that he gets is people are like, who is this dude? You, you were like, uh, there's this end of verse 38. There is a strange thing happening in the land. A wild man hath come <laughs> among us, you know? And people are like, who are you? You're so different from the way that we normally do things. And we don't understand why you have this reason for a hope that's in you. Why, yeah. why is it that you act 
differently than everybody else does. And in the section of your journal where it says, who are you? Yeah, we love this part. You come out of 39 and it's going to say that they had respect. It says fear came among them, but that can be respect or awe. And the reason why is because he walked with God. Like they knew something was different about him. And then you love in verse 40 when they're like, okay, just tell us plainly who you are and where you came from. That's what we want to know. <laughs> who are you and where you came from? And it's so interesting to think, and this is where we're going to hit that, that one line that we loved. Because if you go back in um, verse 6, it tells us, starting at the very beginning, although you see this pattern of wickedness going on and, and you hear how those people are described right now, there are little hints in there that there are some people who are just holding on to this knowledge of God. You see it for the first time in verse 6 where it talks about, um, for it was in verse 5, there was a book of remembrance. It was given unto as many as called upon God to write by the spirit of inspiration, which I just, I love the thought that there were, there were people who knew how to write by the spirit of inspiration and by them, their children were taught to read and write. And then we see it again in verse 13 of Moses 6 that um, he, Enos prophesied in all his days and taught, or Seth prophesied in all his days and taught his son Enos in the ways of God. And then you're going to see down, you're going to go through these lines again, and you're going to get to in verse 21, Jared taught Enoch in all the ways of God. And then in 23 is this great verse that says, they were preachers of righteousness and spake and prophesied and called upon all men everywhere to repent. And faith was taught unto the children of men. And I mm. just, I love that thought that faith is actually taught. It was something that was handed down from parent to child over and over again that was going through. And so when he, when Enoch is going to answer and, and they say, who are you and where did you come from? We love at the very beginning, he's going to say in verse 41, I came from the land of Canaan, the land of my father's. It's a land of righteousness even unto this day. And my father taught me in all the ways of God. So I love the first thing that he said is like, okay, well, one of the things that sets me apart is that my parents taught me who God was. And maybe you can sit and think about that. Like who is teaching you about who God is? And, and as you think about your children or this rising generation, who are these voices that are teaching righteousness, that are teaching faith and how important that is to be handing that down? So that's the first thing he wants to say. And then, and just to keep going on that vein for just a second, and, and what does it look like to teach faith mm. to somebody else? You know, like, if it, I feel like I could be really deliberate with that if I started with that intention mm. that says, I actually would like to teach trust in God. And how am I going to do that? with mm. the people that I'm keeping, you know? Yeah, and it's so neat because that is the youth theme for this upcoming year is learning to trust in God. That's the face-to-face. -face. That's everything that they are working on right now. And I love that right here in this lesson, we learn from Enoch who is saying, I, I learned to trust in God from, and then he's, he's going to say, this is where I came from. This is what has molded my identity. And the first is, from what my dad taught me. And, and we're going to assume that um, his, his mom, mom yeah. was there too. And uh, I was just, oh, I, can't, I wish I could remember what the conversation was yesterday with, with Jenny. We were talking, oh, I think it was with Jenny and with my mom. And we were talking about 
you know, oh, cooking, how Christian really likes to cook. And I've got a nephew who really likes to cook. And Jenny and my mom were talking about that whole idea of passing on. Jenny's mm. been thinking recently, Jack 17. Like, does he know how to like cook something other than ramen, you know, before he leaves the house? And like, do they know how to like separate whites and darks? Yeah. And, and how awesome to also be thinking to yourself, oh, actually, I don't care if you put whites and darks together. But if you leave this house knowing how to trust in God. Yeah, and how to receive an answer yes. and how to trust revelation. Like, are we practicing yeah. that right now? And then I love the second thing he tells him. So in verse 41, he's like, well, here's the first thing. I came from Canaan and, and um, my dad taught me. That's the first thing you should know. But then I love him 43 when he's like, but also the Lord which spake with me the same as the God of heaven, and he is my God, and he is your God. So I love that the second part of his identity is, I know who I am because God has confirmed upon me who I am in his plan. And I think that's so awesome. And his question at the end of 43, and says, so why do you counsel among yourselves and deny the God of heaven? So like, he's my God, but he's yours. So why would you be doing things without his influence in, in your life? Like, I don't understand why. Yeah. You would do so things good. alone. Yeah. And then the third thing he says um, is going to be in 46. A book of remembrance we have written among us according to the pattern given by the finger of God. And it is given in our own language. And I love that he's like, if you want to know who I am, if you want to know why I'm so different, if you want to know where my identity comes from, it comes from what I was taught at home. It comes from what God has instilled within me. And it comes from scripture that's my identity. And doesn't it make you want to think, have I done well at teaching my kids that truth? And, and where could I um, start doing that now? Because the thing I love about the scriptures and even like the story about Enoch is, it, it's not like he's like, well, it's too late for you. If, if, you have, if, if your parents didn't teach you or if God hasn't told you or if you haven't been reading the scriptures, then it's a lost cause for you. I love that he, this is like, starting ground this is like day one and it could be day one for you and for your family and your children and your people to be like okay this is where I think we should start is right here this is this is where we're gonna start and you said are we doing a good job of like teaching our children how to find their identity from these places but I also think it's worth asking like is that Mm -hmm. where I'm finding mine that's so good and and Enoch makes the switch like the very first thing he says is, why me? Like, I'm not good at this mm-hmm. and I'm not good at that. And, you're, and and God's like, oh, that's because you are getting your identity from the world. Let's wash that clay off of you. Mm. And look here, this that's is where so you good. should be getting it from. And and one of the neat things that he has a conversation with these people as he's, as he's talking with them is he, he really lays out the problem and the plan. He was just like, hey, let's mm-hmm. let's zoom out for a second. And you're caught up in your day-to-day, everything that you're doing. But can I just let you know, let me tell you what I was taught by my parents, by God, by the Holy Scriptures, um, about like, this is what's going on on earth. This is our problem, but there is a solution to it, right? So he first starts out by laying out what he's learned is the problem. And these two verses, if you want to say, oh, what is the, 
what is the problem of mortality? I don't think I can think of two better ones than 48 it's so and 49. so true. And especially when you think about our lesson from last week. Yeah. Like if you were going to sum up the whole lesson from last yes, week in yes. four things, it would have been these two verses, 48 and 49. Okay, so this is what he says in 48. And you can fill this in in little boxes. This is, this is the problem. You might need more space. Um, because Adam fell, this is what happened. One, we are. Yay, we actually exist. But by his fall came death. So we're going, that is one of our problems now that we have to face is death. Um, and we're made partakers of misery and woe. Um, another problem in 49 is Satan has come among us <laughs> and he is tempting us to worship him and, and to be like him. Um, we have inherited a natural state to us. We are carnal, sensual, and devilish because of that fall. Everybody knows that they are. You pretend that you're not at church, um, but you should just know that like everybody that you pass. This is why I thank the Lord every day, by the way, that other people can't read my thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. because it's like yes. everybody is just, yes. they have that in them. And he's like, that is a problem. And um, you are shut out from the presence of God um, with, with no way to get back in. I mean, just try. If you want to try, you can. But like, what are you going to do? to do that. And I love that it's so simple. Like really, in essence, he was saying to him, here's the problem. Adam fell. He came to the earth. Because of that, now we are all mortal. That's number two. Three, Satan is here. And four, we've been shut off from the presence of God. That's it. Like it's that simple, he yeah. tells them. And it's so interesting because when you look at your life, you're like, oh yeah, that like, yeah, that is all the problem. All my complications come from yes, somewhere, come from, from mortality or from yes. the devil being or being shut us. out of yeah. the presence of God. Yeah. And what if he just left you hanging there? He was like, so yeah, all Don't is stop lost. reading in 49. <laughs> <laughs> because you love that he's like, but hold on, there is a plan. And it's so good. And I love um, one part that I love that I just want to, notice and actually maybe i'll wait until we get there i'll i'll remember when we get there so he's going to start out and he's going to say um in verse 50 is where he's going to start and it's almost like he's like but don't worry god already made it known clear back at the very beginning that we must repent and we right now just for a second if you haven't been with us long um if you have you know this but if you haven't i love thinking about that word repent and um, just an object lesson that might help us to understand that word a little bit more. So it's if you use sign language. And I always love to start with teaching the sign for change, which you make a C with both of your hands. And then you would just put your wrists together. And change means they just change places. That's change. And if you're teaching teenagers, I love doing this with a seminary class or even primary kids can understand this is change. The word for repentance is really similar, except for instead of a C, you're going to make an R with your hands and then you put your wrists together and repent is that same thing. I love teaching this concept that it's just turning yourself. That's why I always tell my kids, it, you're just physically turning yourself again to Christ. That's what you're doing. If you need to remember what repent means, just Put your hands together and be like, oh yeah, that's right. I just need to turn so I'm facing Jesus again. That's what the word repent means. And I love how it's defined here because that's in essence what he says in verse 52, where he says, you need to teach him to repent. And then in 52, he says that that's, this is what that looks like. 
They need to turn unto me and hearken unto my voice and belief. That is repent. And I love teaching my seminary kids, how many times do you do that in a day? How many times do you reorient again and be like, mm -hmm. okay, where's mm -hmm. Jesus? Um, every time I pray, every time I read the scriptures, every time I turn on that song that just turns my heart again, that is living in repentance. It's just that constant turning again to Christ. And sometimes that's something we can do on our own. And sometimes it actually requires the help of someone else to help us fully turn back where we can see Jesus again in our life. I love when Garrett talks about that moment in his bishop's office when his bishop just actually helped him turn and be able to see where Jesus would fit into his life. That is repentance. And I love that that's where Enoch starts. And it's cool because like the image I have in my mind as you were talking about Garrett in that office is just the, the bishop helping him wipe clay off of his mm. eyes. You know, yes. like, help. this is why you might need somebody else's help because like, let me just wipe this yeah. off of you so you can see this a little bit better. Um, this is the list that we're filling out on this side right here. And in that 52, we want that idea of repentance to be in there. And I'm just so thankful right now for President Nelson who is rebranding that mm. word. Like it's gotten a bad rap over the last several yeah. years. Now it means someone with a cardboard box, like sign, I mean, yelling at you on the streets or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, someone hijacked that word. Yeah. You know, like it's Jesus's first spoken word in his ministry. Like the record, his recorded yeah. first word. It makes you think, like, oh, great. You know, like, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's actually super tender. It's like, here's the problem, but you can actually turn from that problem. Yeah. And it's almost you know? as if he's like, here I am. Yeah. That's what you want repentance to me. It's just, oh, here I am, you, you know, and, <laughs> and just that starting over again with him. Um, and that idea of the word repentance means to turn. The thing that I've been thinking about recently is, uh, have I told you this? I no, don't like, I can't. I'm a little nervous, <laughs> but I can't wait. <laughs> because it doesn't just mean to turn, but it means to turn towards something better. Mm. And I, I just think about those first look videos, you know, where like, do you know what I'm talking about? Where a bride, where you yes. see her and when she taps you on the shoulder, that's like the call to repentance where she's <laughs> like, why don't you turn around? Because what you're going to turn to is something so much better than what you were looking at. Right. Yes. It's a call to like, not just turn for the sake of turning, but to something you can anticipate yes. something that's really good. Oh, I love that. And that's in 52, so one of the things he asks us to turn to is into a covenant relationship with mm. him. Right. Um, that's that idea of baptism is just one, you know, that is turn from whatever you're doing into this like really sweet abiding covenant relationship. And then I love as he goes through and kind of talks about what that covenant relationship will look like. I love that he says too, but a covenant relationship doesn't mean you won't have choice or you won't have the ability to make decisions because in 56, he's like, I, I will give you within this covenant relationship the um, to know good from evil. You like you will be an agent unto yourself and it, you are going to grow and progress and increase with me but also independent of what you choose and what yeah, you want right. to become. And I love that thought that he's like, just because we're entering into this covenant relationship doesn't mean that you won't be able to grow and increase and progress and become something. And, and even 
by definition, it wouldn't be a very good relationship unless you had choices within it, mm, right? So this good. isn't like a, uh, yeah. So that's in verse 56, we found that. In 61, he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit. Oh, and before you get there, this is the part that I love. I love so much in 59, and I think oh. it's because I'm a mom. I think that is why I love it so much where he talks about, he's like, let me just remind you how you got here, right? We talk about the fall. We talk about Adam and Eve. We talk about a piece of fruit. We talk about all these things, but I love that he's like, let me just remind you how you actually got to mortality. And it included water and blood and spirit. And anyone who has birthed a child or watched that process of birth, whether it's your own or, or whether you've seen someone else. I mean, those, those are the three words that I would use to describe that process is blood and water and spirit. Like you feel the spirit that attends that moment. And if you were to ask me um, to sum up one of those days of the births of one of my children, I, the word that would come to mind for me is sacrifice. Mm. Um, it, it was pain. It was fear. It was, I mean, I was so excited for what was going to come, but in those moments just before the goodness came, it was sacrifice and fear and pain. And, and for any of you who have adopted, I don't think that is removed from that. I think those children who come to us through adoption, we all know the blood and the sweat and the tears and the sacrifice and the spirit that attends bringing someone into the family, you know? And yeah. I, I love that we can like tangibly think about that because then I love when he's like, okay, just the same way you came into the earth with water and blood and the spirit, that's how you will be born again into the kingdom of heaven is with water and of the spirit and you're cleansed by blood. And, and he tells you in 60, he's like, if this is not making sense to you, if you can't figure out what this looks like, here, let me help you. For by the water, you keep the commandments. And, and every time I think of water, I want to think of baptism, right? I want to think mm -hmm. of entering in to that covenant relationship that is going to come with a, a code of conduct. It's going to come with expectation. Every covenant relationship does. So that's going to be the water. By the Spirit, are you um, justified? And I love that the Spirit... Um, becomes that it's just that presence that like carries us through what's happening and then by the blood ye are sanctified and when I think about sanctification I just I think about Jesus I think about the atonement of Christ I think about that blood and I love that it's it's all sacrifice again that we see the same sacrifice by which we were born here is the sacrifice that will bear us there that will carry us there and I, I love that as we come into this 61 where you think about we think a lot about the water and about the blood but I think sometimes we forget about the spirit and that gift of the comforter in 61 where he says it is given to abide in you the record of heaven the comforter the peaceable things of immortal glory the truth of all things that which quickeneth all things, which maketh alive all things, that which knoweth all things and hath all power um, according to wisdom and mercy, truth, justice, and judgment. I love that he's like, let me give you every name and characteristic the spirit could be called um, right now. And, and if that's something that intrigues you or 
catches your heart, you may love reading Romans 8 as you think about, if you wish you knew more about that comforter or about the Spirit, that's such a good place to go to look at what is the role of the Spirit? How does the Spirit help me become yeah. in this process? And so, so we've gone through and first is repent, second is become agents, third is this work the Spirit is going to do in you. Yeah, and it's, um, it's Elder Christofferson who used this phrase once I love so much. The Spirit is the agent of grace. Mm. That he brings the messenger. The messenger, messenger, the messenger of grace. brings all of the power of the sacrifice of the Father and the Son into us. Mm. Like he's the one who delivers that into yeah. us. And and he's actually talked about that twice. And we'll try, I'm going to mark down, let's link try to and that. link to those. And, and this is where 62 just becomes so powerful, where he says, And now behold, I say unto you, this is the plan of salvation unto all people. And almost there should be a colon that says, Through the blood of mine only begotten, who shall come in the meridian of time. Uh, another way to say that would have been, He is the plan of salvation. Yeah, and it makes right? you Let think just... back to our lesson yes, last week, yes, right? Yes. This is the plan. And you remember that paper that was just like, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. like this is it. This is the plan. And it keeps coming up because you're tempted sometimes as we talk about particularly, oh, by the water, we keep the commandment, you know, where we like, oh, I have entered into this relationship. And so now I have salvation or I turned from my problems. And so now I have salvation. And he keeps emphasizing. It's almost like he keeps coming back to like, do not lose. Yes, your Agency is so important in this. You are going to choose, you know, to accept the grace and power of Jesus into your life. But don't forget that he is the reason that mm. you are being I saved. I love that so much. Even that part you're talking about the birth, right? Mm -hmm. Where he says you have to be born again. I, I just from maybe you were asleep or on drugs or something. We you had your kids. So let me just tell you <laughs> this is what happened, you know. Absolutely zero. No mother slept through yeah. that. I just promise after, you. After, after. This, oh. is, this is afterwards. I'm just talking okay. afterwards. Absolutely zero times that we had any of our kids did somebody come to the hospital and congratulate the baby. Nobody came to congratulate. Nobody walked into the nursery. Where's the butler kid? That one. And said, way to go. You did it. You slid out like a champion. I'm so proud of you. You know, it was to Jenny. You bring the flowers and the balloons and the congratulations to Jenny because it was through her sacrifice, mm -hmm. her blood, sweat, and tears, that baby was born into this world. Yeah. In the same manner, it is through the blood sacrifice of Jesus that we are born again, right? We are the babies in the equation. Yeah. It's through his work and his efforts that we find all those things mm -hmm. that you read in that verse, life and quickening and knowledge and power and wisdom and mercy and truth and, and, and all of those things. Yeah. And so he, that's what he says in 62. This is the plan. This is the problem. Yep. Let me introduce you to the plan. His name is Jesus. Yes. And I love that so much. And as you go through that, I love that in 63, he wants to tell you, because you could just stop right there. And, yeah, and some people maybe do, where they're just like, and then Jesus, and now I have my salvation. And, and you could stop right there. But one of the things I love about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is we teach about that through the atonement of Jesus Christ, all men are saved, right? We are saved. 
but we also believe in exaltation. And I, this is one of my favorite parts about learning about grace and about Jesus Christ and what he does in our life, because part of what he does is to help us overcome death and sin. And, and if we were to end right here, that would be true. And that would be what he did. And that is, if we want to go back to that verse that we were in, that's what we call in verse 60, justification. Mm -hmm. That is the definition of justification. Your record wiped clean, death removed. Like that's, yep. and, and we were. And you could stop there if you wanted to, but I love. And you should shout hallelujah for a second when yes. you do. And yes. then, and then you realize this other that word. he invites you also, not just into a process of overcoming sin and death, but into a process of becoming. And that's going to get introduced right now. The, the next three things, he is going to introduce you into also not just an overcoming, but a becoming through him, through his grace. And I love that that's what we're going to see next. And the, and the word for that back in 60 is sanctification. sanctification. So justification yeah. was the first thing she was explaining. And then sanctification is this process of becoming. Yep. And I love that it starts within 63 where he wants to be like, okay, watch this. All things bear record of me. All things. So when you get to this point, you realize who I am. You realize what I've done. The next step is to become a witness of him, to stand as a witness of him at all times and in all things and in all places. Because everything on the heavens above and on earth and in the earth and under the earth, they all know to witness of him and and that becomes our job too so that's the next step is to bear record then we get to 67 i love this part and 67 says and thou art after the order of him who was without beginning of days or end of years from all eternity to all eternity this is a phrase that you just want to become really comfortable mm. with particularly in old testament and book of mormon and doctrine and covenants and the doctrine we learned covenants. it yes, so much yes, in yes. the doctrine and covenants after the order of the son but of god yeah but they're borrowing it, it from this this is why we love this mm. book of scripture so much it's so foundational that is temple language whenever you see about entering into the order we are talking about entering into a holy pattern of living order and pattern right a group of of priests and priestesses you know that's that concept and it's just used in that language so you want to watch for that that we're talking about just a different order or a different holy pattern yeah or a different of way of living right living he's our calling life, you right? into this holy life yeah. that's what's happening so first you're going to start witnessing of him second you're going to learn how to live after the order of the son of god and if you're intrigued by that phrase search it in the topical guide Look it up on LDS.org where you can, um, or the Church of Jesus Christ.org, the order of the Son of God. And it will open up for you just like it is this path of discipleship. It's this covenant path that helps us to grow and increase. Yeah, and, and our friend Anthony Sweat's new book that oh, he just came out. Yes, What's the name of the it? The Holy Covenant. Yes, that one. That, it's so quick to read, but just thick with like understanding yeah. this. And then there's this verse in verse 68, Moses 6, 68. He says, Behold, thou art one in me, a son of God. Thus may all become my sons. And, and you see this becoming right, right there. You right. see that. And it's really interesting language because all of us grew up singing, but I'm a child of God. So how do I become something I already am? Mm. And it's like, oh, that's because the language of Scripture is trying to teach you something. And it's like, yes, by 
pedigree, you are a child of God. Your spirit was born of heavenly parents. But when you entered into this world in a fallen condition, you become, what was the problem verse 48? Mm -hmm. Look at what it calls you. And you're going to start noticing this in scripture 49. Satan came among the children of men. The scriptures call us the children of men. It's a phrase that means you've been cut out of the presence. You've been cut off of this justification and sanctification. You are a child, but you are not an heir. And so the solution is, you see it with baptism, you're being born back in to the family. So baptism brings you back in, and then the Spirit combined with covenants and ordinances is the path of becoming Mm. an heir again. And so that's why it says right there, that's how Adam and Eve became my heirs again, how they became joint heirs with Christ. Was this process. Was this process. And everybody can, can become it. It and says. i i love when you think about it so let's go back right what was the plan hey, this is the problem this is the plan return to me right repent turn back to me enter into covenant relationship become an agent unto yourself but allow the spirit to do its work in you and rely on the grace of jesus christ this is the plan then we bear witness of him at all times, in all things, in all places. We learn to live after the order of the Son of God. And then we go through this process of becoming. And I love, we're just going to, for one second, jump into chapter 7, verse 1. You'll see it right at the bottom. Um, because it's almost as if he finishes the lesson of Moses 6 right here in the very first verse of this chapter one where it says and it came to pass that enoch continued his speech saying behold our father abraham our father adam taught these things and then i love this line and many have believed and become Mm. the sons of god and many have believed not and i love that we actually get to choose are we going to be one who believes and becomes or are we going to be one who believes not and we actually get to choose that yeah it's such a beautiful like all of this is so beautiful and there's just one spot that we skipped over just because we wanted to end with it in the beginning of Moses 5 this conversation that happens that almost shows everything that we just taught in a simple little interaction and it's Adam and Eve at the beginning who've left Eden and and are turned like with their faces back to almost longing almost as if their question was how do we get back? Like we've, we've left, we're cut off, we're mortal, we're thorns and we're thistles. How do we get back? That's their question. And an angel comes, you know, with the answer. And he says, I want you to offer sacrifice. I want you to take, this is when the, this, this um, principle and ordinance of sacrifice get introduced. I want you to take the firstlings of your flock and sacrifice them. And this is crazy. Some, I mean, it's crazy for us because we live in mm-hmm. 2021. It's crazy. Or 2022. It'll be 2022 yeah. by the time everyone's watching this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but particularly for Adam and Eve, who came from a place of no blood and no death and no pain, like mm-hmm. this was a nauseating, like heartbreaking, like, oh, a, a sacrifice of an innocent creature. And then it says the angel comes and says, after many days, the angel comes and says, What are you doing? And he says, Bless his obedient heart. He says, I don't know. You, you was your idea. You told me to do this, you know? And essentially, the angel says back to him, well, this is the answer to your question. 
your question was, how do we get back? How do we overcome this? And the answer is, it will be through the sacrifice, the blood, the heartbreaking death of an innocent creature. This thing you're doing is in similitude. It's showing you the solution. It's in similitude of the sacrifice of the only begotten who is full of grace and truth. There is a solution to this and and his name is Jesus. And it's through his sacrifice Mm. that you'll return to Eden someday. And I just love that every time for all of those hundreds of thousands of years, it was almost as if every time that sacrifice took place, they were saying, how do we get back? And the answer was so simple, the lamb. Yeah. Over and over and over again, so that when we finally in scripture see him as the lamb, starting clear back here at the very beginning in the story of Adam, the lamb is introduced. And we are gonna see him in every page of scripture all the way until the end. And and I just couldn't help but think as you were saying, like that as everybody approached that altar and asked that question, that even today, on, on our next Sunday, you will walk into mm. the chapel and there will be an altar. And your question is will be, how do I get back? How do I overcome this? And the answer will still be the same. There will still be a symbol of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Mm. So. so good. Okay, see you next week. See y'all. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.